isn't really the periodical podcast anymore, Tommy. We're doing this like every day now. Good to have some cadence. Good for the Panthers to keep that cadence going. It is. Well, I hope you enjoy the Eva Lariana the second interview, um, which you can listen to whenever. It's evergreen. Uh, I've been wanting to interview him for a while, and I knew that was going to be fun, but that was a really fun interview. He's got a lot of great stories, and I can follow him because he's doing, some, he's doing some great things. Not just because he's an interesting hockey player, which seems like an oxymoron, but there's so many cool well, things he's up to, and again. He is a man of the world. Yes, um, man of the world, and also, I have to admit, there was, some, there was some stuff in there that I knew you'd like, the equipment stuff, but also the, the point about how he's playing in a charity game with most of the Russian five, and you're like, we're just toying with these people because their brains haven't gone. They might be 50 years old at this point or older than that, but it doesn't matter because your brain never goes. Yeah, and as Jeff Carter shows, uh, <laughs> the shot's one of the last things to go. That's Apparently. Hat trick for him. Good for Al Hefe. I love this. Oh my goodness me. I mean, as I said, you, I met some other Flyers fans who are like, really? We're going to have to watch Jeff Carter and Ron Hextall do things with the Penguins in the playoffs? But yeah, I, I mean, I was not paying attention to most of what was else was going on as evidenced by I know what happened to John Tavares, but I didn't see it, and I'm very thankful for that. We'll touch on the end of it, the, the, the yeah. other games there's, in a minute. But, there's two Flyers fans. There's Flyers fans that like hate to see their ex-players succeed on other teams and everything, and then there's other fans who don't mind it and i've kind of matured into the the second area where like seeing jeff carter get some cups and stuff like you know in in the right fit like it was time to move on from him at, at a certain point and you know obviously he didn't handle the trade very well and, and that kind of backed up what philadelphia was talking about maybe at the time but two cups in la and you know after the trade um he's looked like the missing piece in in uh pittsburgh and he's doing it he's basically going on the ice when crosby's coming off so it's not because of sid it's i mean listen i i it's the same thing i think about with all these these other former panthers in the playoffs i mean it's different now that the panthers are in it but you know like great playoff dudes a lot of good playoffs. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain to see some of them succeed they deserve to it's not their fault we got we got Austin Matthews, best player in the world, down uh, in his series, and we have uh, Connor McDavid, best player of all time, down in his uh, series. So. Thanks, thanks, Jets and Canadians. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Well, see, it. that's who I'm rooting for, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, I, I want them to play each other in the playoffs. I'm definitely rooting for that to happen. Just no, well, no, about I'm, that. I'm rooting for Winnipeg and Montreal to beat Toronto and Edmonton. Oh, just for the trolling purposes. No, because. I hate them. Ah, okay. Anyway, I mean, at this point, it, we, let's, let's let's get some hate back in hockey. Uh, it's the playoffs. <laughs> um, we, we've watched the Panthers and Lightning. I think there's plenty of it. Yeah, and and yeah, obviously, hate to a point. J- hope John Tavares is, is fine after that freak accident. Yeah. Uh, no, so you don't night. want anybody to get injured like that. Not just yeah. in a playoff game, but ever. I mean, that, that you don't want. You don't want. And I didn't like seeing that uh, fight after that. But yeah, it that's felt it. It, it, I was listening to someone talk about it just before we started recording this, and I'm like, I know why it happened. I can see the logic. It doesn't mean it wasn't something but, that made me feel a little icky, but, you know. I mean, yeah. How does it really make you feel better? How does it really improve the situation? Somebody and... pointed out that it might be you want to get focused back on the game and get your brain off of what you just saw, and a fight kind of okay. does that. I mean, I guess, I mean, but... Bang bodies, like throw some hits or something, like you know what I mean. Like there's a 
Put in Frederick Anderson to give up way. a stupid goal. Yeah, and and to be honest, if you're gonna hit anyone, if you're gonna fight anyone, you fight Ben Chariot, who started the whole thing, not Corey Perry, who literally had nothing to do with it. I mean, it's I mean, like the, he the made thing no that's funny is that it was Corey Perry who nobody likes pretty much, and that was the one of the things that he could do nothing about. Um, but as I said, I wasn't paying so much attention to that as I was another exhausting game in the playoffs. The Panthers Lightning games are just insane. Insane. I mean, last night was yeah, insaner was, than the first two games. Um, it was the re- it was game one, and we talked about one of the things they needed to do was just get back to game one and try to win one of those fifty fifty grinded out games, uh, just to get back into the series, get some life, and they did. So boy, but it. I mean, as I said, after the second intermission, I damn near threw something into a wall because. There was a point after Uyghur should have scored shorthanded and then the Lightning scored on the power play. I'm like, it's over. You do not get lucky if that stuff goes yeah. against you. And I was like, it, at a point, in a microcosm, that whole second period was like that. In a microcosm, that second period was the, the heightened issues of the, of the Panthers. Their inability to finish. Their inability to play defense while creating offense uh, and activating their D, uh, you know, intelligently instead of all the time. And then, you know, whether it's the goaltending or it's not the goaltending, the inability of the goaltenders to basically pull Rabbit out of their butt and say, and a miracle and save the day constantly under siege. Um, I, I went back and watched the game, and instead of getting the national feed, I, I did the Tampa feed. And Brian Englum, I'm not a big fan of him, but uh, he was saying that he could tell in the second period how tired Chris Dreger was getting just because of the, the, the long shifts where the puck was low in the zone and he had to stay in his stance or the movement from side to side, even if they weren't getting shots on net, even if they weren't, they were faking shots. They were taking shots, getting blocks. They were going wide, uh, and they were move, and then getting the puck and moving it to the other side and taking another shot. And, and that, after a while, wears down on a goalie. And it is why Dreger can have a period where he gives up the franchise record of goals in a period to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I did find so- it hilarious that the Lightning this amazing team is the third team in playoff history to give up five to have five goals in a period and lose and the other two with the minnesota north stars just i find that really amusing to me but it's a, i i think brian engblom's a great analyst i think he's extremely underappreciated well, I, I think he's a little bit of a homer to to rely well, I mean, on every local broadcast is a homer to a point yeah. but i think brian engblom's really but good at pointing he, things out like that it's like when you watch the carolina feed and you're like trip tracy's a homer but he's pointing out stuff that i don't otherwise notice and that's what a good analyst does and I, th- I thought Boucher had a pretty, you know, speaking of analysts, I thought Brian Boucher. Another Boucher, one who I really enjoy, and I'm happy he's going to ESPN because I think he's very good. He had a really good take on the goalie situation, which was he didn't understand why Bob didn't start game two. And then he didn't understand. He just he wanted Quinville to pick a goalie and stay with him. He didn't like this going back and, and, and forth. Um, but. You texted me the, the minute the game ended last night was, this was the best case scenario. They won and Drieger was bad, so they have to stick with the goalie well, now. Well, I mean, 
the best case scenario was they won. They had they did it in a way that got got them some life. But I mean, it, it should be known who their goalie is at this point. Like, it, and if Quinville goes back to Dreger, I or puts in Knight, or I I don't know what. Well, Bob's starting Game Four. There's no doubt about it. And I think Hopefully. even at this point, I, after... I don't want to make, make bets or anything. But oh, he he already confirmed he's starting Game Four. So. Well, that's good to see. Um, he, he definitely did. And there was a part of me that was wondering after that second period, like, are they actually going to put in Bobrovsky? And I was like, in the back of my mind, I knew there's no way you could bring Drieger back in well, after that. Bush said that he saw Bobrovsky starting to move and stuff and get ready with, like, a minute, whatever that last goal was scored on that power play, where Drieger gave up um, – you know, drop the puck right, right there, and couldn't. And here's the, and here's the thing that he made another point about because I'm watching the national feed when I'm, I'm watching this game, um, and he said, and it's like Bobrovsky in game one. It's like none of these are like, oh my God, Tristan Jari level <laughs> bad goals given up. I mean, you could say that. I think some of them were were not good, but they weren't like awful. Here's then, what I'll say: He's not ready. He's not ready to play this game. You look at right off the hop. The first shot on net, like right off, and it ended up being a whistle for like offsides or something like that. And he just like wasn't ready for it. He made like a pad save and just kicked, kicked the rebound out. And you could just tell that it like he had to like recover himself after that. And that was like a bad sign. And Boucher always says that like with Bobrovsky or goalies, you can really tell like in the first couple of shifts how their night's going to go, if they're in it, if they're, if they're not. Uh, and just like game two, he wasn't in it. And he grit and bared, and the team kind of did well, and, and they got the run of play in, in the first period. Uh, so, you know, his responses and his athleticism, you know, Dreger's a, a pretty good goal. I'm not trying to knock him or anything, but, you know, he was able to fight through it in, in that first period. But when he, they started giving up, you know, zone times, odd man rushes, power plays, you know, that's when you give up five goals on 11 shots when you're just not with it. You can't be a, Her- a Hercules or you can't even, you know, stop half of them. Um, it- it- it's tough. And a lot of those were kind of self-created. And when we talk about Borowski, you know, ESPN articles, Stephen Valaket is, you know, who for MSG and stuff is talking about, uh, Barossi just needs to fight through screens better. And, you know, fans always say that anytime a, a puck beats Barossi inside of his arms, he should have saved it. Or if he, you know, puts a rebound down right in front and the guy scores, whether it was Gudis or Nudavara or Forsling or Uyghur or somebody not picking up their man in front, which is also bad, it still gets labeled as Bobrovsky's fault. I or mean, multiple they need times in that second save. period, it was just a guy losing a net front battle that you shouldn't lose. And I've liked Nudivara's game, but his second period yeah. was well, yikes. Well, I mean, if we're being honest, the team's still soft and adjusting to playoff hockey. As oh, much as you no doubt say, about that. Like, Ryan Lomberg's, like, the softest Dan Carcillo light version I've seen. But... <laughs> You know, it's working right now, and and that's all that matters. And, like, I'm happy for Lomberg. I'm happy for the team. Like, but there's a – they also gave up five goals in a period. So there is 
as much as they they got the ball back in their court, um, they're back in the series. They're on the road against the Stanley Cup champs, who are very good, who are almost automatic uh, on the power play so far, no matter who's in net. And, uh, you know, there's some injury concerns, and you're starting to get almost as injured as the Lightning, which is one of the Panthers' advantages. So, you know, you're not losing faith, but it's always one period at a time, one shift at a time, just get one goal at a time, uh, take everything, you know, and what the Panthers did a little better last night was they stopped focusing on the refs as much. I mean, Quinn, let Quinville yell at the refs, let the captains and stuff deal with the refs, or, and Horn, a guy like Hornquist or Gudis worked the refs for the most part. But, you know, it, you, you can't be worrying about Tampa's cap hit. You can't be worrying about you know, what Tampa's, the cross checks and all that stuff. Like we said before, there has to be a team, you know, it, policy on how they, they're going to deal with it, whether it's like fight back or, or feel it out or, you know, try to get power plays or, or whatever it would be, you know, stick to that, move forward and just play your game and, and fight through it. And whether it's, you know, 5-3 them or 5-3 you, you have to play everything hard, fight through every puck, you know, uh, always think about D side uh, and don't get trapped. Don't be that third guy below the dots. Don't be on the four check where they can go spring the other way because you got, you know, Forsling and Montour are jumping. You know, Igar is jumping. You know, Nudavara is jumping. And when they get back, they're not strong enough to do what McDonough does or, or Hedman does on the Florida players, which is be able to lean them and push them to the outside from behind and catch up and overtake them. That's the big uh, difference it, between the, the defense it, cores. Is yeah. like, these guys are fast players and they could jump into the rush, but you also note when you're watching Sergachev and Chernak and guys like that, they just lean on you and they put pressure on you in a way. Like the Panthers put pressure on you by because they're speeded, the defensemen are so far into the zone and so active, like it gets you to back off a little bit. But the Lightning, they do it yeah. in some ways through brute force and they let the forwards do all the puck movement. You know, you don't see, you know, Nudivar or Montour or Weger going to end up below the goal line at times on some shifts. You're like, what are you doing? And you see the Tampa defensemen where they are. Like they'll get up on the play, but they're usually, you know, where they are for a reason. They're not going to be these offensive masterminds other than really headmen. But it's one of those things that the Panthers, I think, were still kind of dealing with it. And they're kind of, I don't want to say they're they're not used to it, but I think they were kind of surprised at just what the Lightning defense was willing to do. You're seeing that, you know, behind plays, you know, like Bruto on Barkoff in game two, things like that, right? Yeah. And I yeah, think that's I, something... I, I... It, it, I was just going to say, I wish Quinville was, you know, sticking to his goalies the way, you know, they're sticking to their deactivating and playing that style. Well, and, I mean, there's yeah. an elephant in the room we didn't mention yet. They actually did the thing. They scratched Keith Yandel. I did mention at one point on Y Hockey. I couldn't remember it when so, it was. It feels so good and natural. I, it didn't even come up. Like, I mean, you know I what know. I mean? And it was funny. Like, I when I saw the tweets that morning, like, they're actually going to do this and because his Ironman streak doesn't carry over into the playoffs. And like at some point, as I mentioned, when the wild scratch Zach Parise for the postseason, I'm like, sometimes these veterans got to realize the best thing for the team might be to not play. And I mean, 
for all of the things we say about Keith Yandel all the time, like, it's clear that this series is not a series where he's going to thrive. Like, the only place where he can really thrive is the power play, and it's been okay, and yet last night they were two for two without him. But at five on five, is a liability. We've talked about that. And it's not like Strawman was much better because he wasn't, but it's just like the noticeable lack of Yandel in that game. I mean, they still play bad defensively. Let's not get you wrong, but it's not those individual errors that just suck the life out of a team, right? I'll go with team breakdowns. I'll go with the Lightning being better than you. I just don't want stupid, you know, team, not those team breakdowns, I should say, but those individual breakdowns that cost you goals against the Lightning, like, as, as well as some of these other defensemen aren't good, they don't make those kind of Yandel mistakes where you're like, boy, did he not notice what angle they were taking? You know, things like that. And it was noticeable in that game. And the other thing I, I, we should mention is, as Joel Quenville could keep saying Alexander Barkov is fine, and eventually he looked decent. I don't want to say he looked great, but he looked decent by the end of the game. So, I mean... I was wondering if they were, like, dummying him on the first period as a decoy. Like, they were having him on the bench just to get the Lightning think, oh, is he going to play again? No. No. I'm, like, as much as I'm happy about Yandel not playing and Strawman being a lot better than he was last game, uh, I guess, you know, it kind of helped getting his feet wet and back into it. But um, I... Yeah, I, I'm still worried about Barkov. He, if you saw the play, it was I think it was Marchman or somebody like came in to hit somebody and hit Barkov, uh, and it was I want to say like his forearm or something, like or around like his forearm and wrist area. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not. I have no idea. But it was so hard because replays didn't really give you a good idea he, of what was happening. He took face-offs. He didn't fight, but, I mean, like, he grappled with whoever it was, Gord or something, and and threw and, like, attempted to throw a few half-hearted punches or, you know, whatever they were. Um, I don't know if it was – I couldn't really tell if it was the right hand that was hurting him or, or whatnot or if he was using that to, like, hold and grapple, which also would have been – show, like, it's not hurting him too much, but really it's – what we can't see right now, which is how does he feel today? How is he going to feel tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Uh, you wish it was a night game maybe to, to give him a little yeah. more time. The fact that it's a, a high noon six, start is a little interesting. It's but... six, seven hours in the all-purpose of things. He's just, it's either going to be a hurt and be a hindrance or it's really not going to be in the seven hours. I don't know if it's going to make too much of a difference. But uh, I, I do want to know, say that, that – and, and I want to bring up this point. Does Sam Bennett really mean that much to the Panthers' offense that they just – I mean, I know Tampa locked it down in game two, but Bennett, I mean, the fact that he was back just opened up their offense. I mean, I know he's a good player, and he's their second-line center at this point, but I didn't think that his absence would be that stark comparing the two games with him and the one without him. Is, is I, that surprise you? Well, I think it it's half surprises me. Um, but it, it makes sense. I mean, he is coming off of being one of their better players in game one. He was one of the better players, um, you, you know, outside that, that hit it, it, you know, it makes sense that as it gives Huberto more talent on his line, which makes Huberto better, which gives the Panthers a better chance and makes their offense more existent. 
in game two without Bennett, I think that they could it couldn't it could have looked less stark. It could have looked less surprising if in game two Quinville maybe chose to put Denisenko in. Uh, you know, Denisenko was playing well. He did have like what a five game point streak or something like that to end the season. Uh, you know, and I I think you could have put him in and, and played him and that would have done well for the offense. I, I think he could have played last night too. He could play whenever. It's nice to have that in your back pocket still um, for, for him. You know, the one thing I can understand is he's probably not – we talked about the Panthers being a little bit lighter and, and softer and, and not ready for playoff hockey. Like not, not so much like they're, they're soft or anything, but they're still – not arriving at the puck with enough as much force as Tampa is because they just don't really inherently second nature understand the how hard they have to play every shift and hit every four the funniest thing when we're going to overtime and you see that graphic of who scored an overtime goal to play i know that it's been 25 years since they had one it was mike hoff i guess everybody who scores playoff overtime goals for the panthers are grinders it's bill Lindsay, it's mike hoff it's ryan lomberg that's just the history of this franchise but like you look at yeah well oh my god look at how many lightning players have scored a playoff ot goal and i know they've been in it all the time and the panthers it's just patrick hornquist you're like wow it is really that stark and it, it 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 made me laugh at points like because I was fully assuming I tweeted I'm like after they went to five four I said the max pain route for this to go is to lose in overtime and although after they killed off the first power play in overtime I'm like okay they might actually win this now it was just one of those like you could tell like they they got through it and that gave them a little bit of confidence again stunning was Ryan Lomberg but close enough I mean for whatever this however this ends up because I'm I'm still convinced the lightning win this but you're always going to have that you're always going to have the ability to say that this team in spite of the fact that they faced a lot of adversity and they got really in many ways a playoff schooling by tampa at times in this series game one was a one puck game game two was one plus an empty net game three is a one puck game you know these, these games have been close and it's those little differences that's why tampa's winning and why they'll probably win but it shows you, like, there were there was some talk. I was listening to, to Puck Soup after game two, and they were talking about, boy, it would suck for this season for the Panthers to, you know, go out the way it looked like they were going to go out. And I was saying, that's probably wrong because the, these games are still close, even if it looks like at time Tampa's dominating. The Panthers are proving that they can compete with the Lightning and that they're not, you know, getting vastly outplayed. Like, Nashville looks like they're getting just boat raced. St. Louis they're, doesn't look in the same league. I mean, you know. There are points where it does look like they're getting vastly outplayed. Like let, let's not so, but like, and what's the difference is they're getting out coached. I mean, like you look at what's happened is, did has Quinville misstepped a few things? He's pushed some right buttons by leaving Lomberg in. I mean, but is that bold luck? Is that you know what is that? Uh, but, you know, you can look at the goaltending. You can look at some of the D. Oh, I, I think the decision not, to go to Drieger in game two and right. to go to 7-D and just has, some and of, probably will end up being the reason why they lose the series because both of those decisions turned out to be wrong. Now they're going back to Bobrovsky. They're not going to do 11-7 and seven again because they don't but, have to with Bennett back in the lineup. But 
Well, you don't want to speak. I mean, with Quinville, the issue is you can never say never because he's always gone back to something you think he never gone back to or tried. This is true. Although, never, although I, I think the fact that they won the game the way they did, and you know that if they keep playing like this, you know, if they win Game Four, there's no way they do it again. You know, something like that. Like, I, I agree with you. But it seemed like that was that moment where it like it clicked, and he's like, "Okay, I've got my guys now." And he has indicated that there's going to be no changes for Game Four, but, which we know he doesn't make changes after wins. Right. But uh-huh. like, yeah, he, he's he I've said it as much. It's not it, this is not me con- making conjecture. He said it in the press conference today. Wait, I, I understand that, but you know, I, I think that there is still they still have to figure out, you know, another what they're going to do if they can't just keep leaning into the activation of defense and stuff i mean because even without yand on the lineup what the big issue was defense the defenders playing defense and managing the puck and you know the d on the penalty kill um getting clears uh boxing out um the right movement i mean i i think for that one where Kucherov made that little dump play in the second, I think it was like the second to last one in the second period, uh, to the to the guy in the in the slot who scored, and it was you know Barkov's the closest guy, so people are like oh Barkov should have had that guy, but if you're talking about that Braden Point power play goal, I mean, yeah, I mean nobody's stopping that. The, the real thing where was the defense had a chance to get the clear. I forget who it was. A little before that, and that didn't get the me most about this series is that the Panthers have multiple chances to clear the puck, get the puck out, made a simple play. They don't do it, and then it's back in your zone for a minute, and the Lightning are moving it around, and you can't get it. Like those are the things that frustrate me the most. Like the in that moment, you have to be thinking the simplest possible play. Yeah. What is I, the way we get the puck out of the zone, get out of dodge, so we can live for another shift? Because you see what Tampa does when they get the puck. And, yeah. and somebody mentions it, like, they go to, like, that umbrella setup, even at five-on-five, five, and you don't get the puck off of them until they make a mistake or there's a save or a whistle. And that's a hard thing to do when you're doing it all the time because you can't get the puck out the first chance you have. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I do want to also mention, again, this team doesn't have yeah. Aaron Ekblad. And Aaron Ekblad would have made a difference in this series, obviously. But who I mean, cares? Who cares? I, I know that's the I know that's a, again you're right but I'm just saying you have to you have to think of it in some senses and they're not making that excuse but the defense has to be better because it's the reason why they lo- it's not the reason why they lost it's kind of the reason why they lost game two it was why they lost game one and it almost cost them game three but they were yeah. able to overcome it well so yeah hopefully Bobrovsky can you know be ready when he's called upon, which has so far been his strength. He hasn't been, you know, fantastic by any Everything but... he needed to do when he came into the game, and all you're going to ask him to do is basically ask what Andre Vasilevsky is doing in this series. He gave up six goals last night, right. but he made some stupid, ridiculous saves. You're asking yeah, for... Sergei Bobrovsky to make one or two stupid, ridiculous saves to give you a chance to win the game because these games are close. And it's those kind of moments that... Trish Trieger, for all he's good at, I don't know if he's capable of making that one stupid, ridiculous save in a playoff game against Braden Point to keep you in. But can Sergei Bobrovsky do that? He's already well, done it against Tampa once before. He, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he got the opportunity Quinville was talking about. He earned with his regular season play. But, again, he doesn't have a professional playoff resume besides what we've just seen. 
you know, the last time he played in the playoffs was the WHL in 2014. So, I mean, he came out flat in game two. He came out flat in game three. I, you hope Bob Bobrovsky doesn't come out flat. You hope Bobrovsky doesn't start letting in some weak ones. And, you know, sitting one game made him eager to prove himself versus eager to hate the world, uh, which we've seen with some other goalies. So, uh, you know, Bush was saying. Playoffs right now. And and look at what the Islanders are going through with Varlamov, who had a rough game three. And now Barry Trotz has to say, like, do we go back to Sorokin? Or, like, that's a tough decision. Like, you want this to be automatic. You don't want to think. Like, for Vegas, it never came to mind that they're going to Robin Leonard. Flurry's just, they're going to ride it. You know what I mean? Like, for the Leafs, it never was a question that Jack Campbell was going to start. They're just riding it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what yeah. happens in well, the playoffs. Like, for the Bruins, it's the same thing with Tuukka I know Washington had injuries, and that's the question that Washington has. Like, what do you do? Do you go to Anderson? I mean, Samsonov had a good game three, but then had a ridiculous mistake that cost them the game. You know, it's those things like that. Like, you want that decision to be automatic. And I hope now it is with Bobrovsky, and I think it will be. Um, just, just seeing what happened in game three and knowing now that, I mean, he could, like, I would not be surprised if we see a vintage, like, holy crap, he just stole that game, Sergei Bobrovsky in game four. I don't know if it's going to be enough to win, but I wouldn't Hopefully. be surprised if we see that. Hopefully. That that would be nice. I, I, I'm just, just happy taking they got the one, win, because that, that, that second at I'm like, oh, they're, they're going to get swept. Yeah, it and, looked and like I was it. Worried, and I was worried because my brain flashed back to 2016, where the Panthers were clearly the better team against the Islanders, and they lost with three overtime games, and everything went to crap because people overreacted. The fact that they won that game the way they did is at least going to calm my nerves of like, okay, they're not going to overreact if things go bad here. Because I was very worried about that, you know? Like, I'm thinking in that second intermission, what is the offseason going to look like? Please stay the course. Don't overreact. And then they win, and now I'm a little less worried about that. Yeah, and then, I mean, you kind of have to have the mentality you would want the players to have, which is, again, just one period of the time. Listen, they they, they are a tenacious group. They fight through a lot. I mean, that's one credit to them. You know, And, and and, you know, it's it's not about what happens if you can get through Tampa and and all that. It's just just, you have a – game uh, in the middle of the day that you have to get ready for and then after that you know they, they you respond go to the next, well in next each thing. game to a certain level of adversity that i think has been impressive even if they haven't you know even if they're down 2-1 mm-hmm. and even if they probably are going to lose the series still it, it shows you that that adversity that they're able to overcome even though you know they're facing odds as you do when you play the defending champs in a series like this They've overcome some of that, and I think that's impressive. And I'm glad we got to do a podcast after a win because I was worried we were probably not going to be able to have to uh, do a podcast after a win. I thought it was going to be all after losses. Um, so, yeah, game four is a high noon start, very odd. We'll have to see if they get up for it. I think they will. Um, I think they're going to have some energy in their legs the way that it went. The good thing for them was that their, their start to game three was really good. I mean, I know, you know, Vasilevsky gave up a howler to Gudis, but they started well. I think they just need to focus at this point, you know, play. It's not just playing within yourselves, but also like keep your mindset of, you know, we go again, kind of, you know what I mean? We get a goal. We have to go again, you know, 
everything is so important. Every puck is so important in a game like this. And we're talking about just the differences between one little play is the difference in winning and losing. And I think they're, they're starting to get it. But I hope that now that they won a game as they did, that they really do get it and it clicks for them more. We'll have to find out. Anything else you'd like to mention? No. Hope Barkov's all right. Hope Bennett's all right after he took off his skate and it didn't balloon up and swell up uh, after blocking that shot. And, you know, that's the that's the thing about doing well in the playoffs. It's, it's about being able to either get lucky and not get hurt or be able to get the injuries that you can play through, uh, you know, and just be able to play through it to, to the right amount. You saw Barkov uh, kind of adjust his game a little bit uh, when he wasn't playing well. And, you know, it, it helped, you know, helped them stay a little more defensive. And, you know, he was doing a little more things, but he wasn't, you didn't see him trying to go take the rushes with the puck and, and take it to the net himself. You only saw it once or twice. Uh, you know, he was kind of staying more pr- on the outside making playmaking uh, plays from uh, the perimeter. Oh, I, one other player I want to mention, I mean, he didn't score, but Carter Verhage was great. He was absolutely everywhere. Yeah, Him and Huberto stepped up when Barkov wasn't on the bench, and that's what they're going to need. Um, I also thought Duclair had a good game uh, on the fourth line, and, you know, that's why Lombard can get out in – in overtime is because but Toronto set that up too. And I was see, and I was hearing a oh, great, I mean, no, you have Nolachari to win a face off like that deep in your own zone. And you make a good, I look like a set playoff, a face off win. And if you've got a guy who can win face offs like Nolachari, you can, you can do that in overtime of a playoff game. Yeah. I'm happy Lomberg hit the net this time. And it, it somehow <laughs> yeah, I'm like, fell in. In. Oh, oh my God, he actually scored. I can't believe yeah. I just saw that. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know if that's a bad goal for Vasilevsky, but it's a good goal for me. Yeah. It's a good goal for us. Uh, that was an exhausting game, and uh, we're back to do it again tomorrow after game four. <laughs> <laughs>